welcome to A Shower of Roses. I'm Jenny, your host. On this podcast, we read together the readings for the upcoming Sunday Mass in the Roman Catholic Church, so that when you walk into Mass on Sunday, you feel enlightened and empowered with the knowledge of the Gospel that you need to have a meaningful and personal experience with Christ every week. I'm Catholic, but you certainly don't have to be to listen to this podcast. The Gospel is for anyone, anywhere, at any state of life. We are so glad you're here. Welcome to the podcast. This is the 13th Sunday in Ordinary Time, and today we are joined by one of my bestest friends, my friend Valerie. Valerie, how are you doing? Doing well. That's great. I'm so happy you're here. Valerie, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe a little bit about your faith journey, this crazy life? Absolutely. Um, So, my name is Valerie. I'm originally from just one town over from the beautiful Jenna, where we met in high school. Um, I then went to Pitt and studied religious studies, English, and theater. Um, Now I teach in Pensacola, Florida. I uh, am teaching English, literature, uh, 3D printing, robotics, and religion. Because why not? It's fine. Um, yep. It's not overall. We do everything. <laughs> Last year I taught musical theater too. It's fine. Whatever you can do, you do. Um, and yeah, a little bit about my faith journey. Um, I went to Catholic school for kindergarten to 12th grade. It was beautiful. Loved it. Uh, religion class was always my favorite because we always started with Genesis so over the summer, I'd reread Genesis, so I'd be the best student in the class, and the teacher would stop calling on me, and I could kind of slack off. Um, <laughs> so I really have Genesis down. Uh, profits, plan. not so much. Um, and, yeah, when I started studying religion in college, it became very obvious how broken the world was and how we're all seeking for this deeper meaning of life, because if life is meaningless, then why are we here? True. And it just became very obvious that through the Bible we had this like insane amount of truth and love pouring out into our lives and it's just a way to open up conversation with ourselves and God and I try to teach that to my students but they're middle schoolers and sometimes it just hurts the things that they say um, especially at the end of the school year where you're like mm. did I teach you anything but you're planting the seeds yes the seeds have been planted somebody else will see their fruit hopefully and you might, you don't know, you might get a, like, a thank you card somewhere down the line. 20 years from now. Yeah, that's all yeah, that matters. Hopefully. Wonderful. Well, thanks for sharing that, my friend. Anytime, Jenna. All right, so uh, let's dig into these readings, shall we? Of course. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so our first reading this week, the 13th Sunday in Ordinary Time, is from First Kings, chapter 19 verse 16b and verses 19 to 21. The Lord said to Elijah, you shall anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat of Abel Meholah, as prophet to succeed you. Elijah set out and came upon Elisha, son of Shaphat, as he was plowing with the 12 yoke of oxen. He was following the 12th. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak over him. Elisha left the oxen ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, and I will follow you. Elisha answered, Go back. Have I done anything to you? 
Alicia left him and, taking the yoke of oxen, slaughtered them. He used the plowing equipment for fuel to boil their flesh and gave it to his people to eat. Then Elisha left and followed Elijah as his attendant. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Anything there stick out to you, Val? Um, so much. Oh, gosh. Um, I'm, like, kind of confused, honestly. I'm confused, too. And here's the thing. They skip verses in between this this reading. Yeah, so I feel like something must have happened in verse 17 and 18 that were, like, maybe important. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, obviously not important enough to include now. Right. Um, but I think I'm more confused as to, like, the inflection in the written word is totally missing when Elijah says, go back, have I done anything to you? Right. Like, is it a sassy go back? Is it a, like no, get away from me, go back? Or is it like, eh, go back? And, like, yes, there's an exclamation point, but, like, that wasn't in the original Hebrew. What do we know? Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It clearly doesn't say why he's telling him to go back. Right. So here's what we're missing. Okay. So he is quoting what God says to him. So if we go all the way back to verse 13... I'm just going to read this part because it'll give us some context. When he heard this, Elijah hid his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. A voice said to him, why are you here, Elijah? He replied, I have been most zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, but the Israelites have forsaken your covenant. They have destroyed your altars and murdered your prophets by the sword. I alone remain and they seek to take my life. The Lord said to him, go back, take the desert road to Damascus. When you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael as king of Aram. You shall also anoint, also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king of Israel, and Elisha, son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, as prophet to succeed you. Anyone who escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill. Anyone who escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. But I will spare 7,000 in Israel, every knee that has not been bent to Baal, every mouth that has not kissed him. Okay, so much more sense. So much more. I wish they had included all of that. Yeah, I wish they had started at verse 13. So Elijah is kind of left as the last faithful Israelite. I feel like very much a callback to Noah as I was reading that. Like kind of the last good person left. Mm -hmm. And then what stuck out to me was he says, it's God first that says go back. So he's quoting God in verse 20 where it says, Elijah answered, go back. What have I done to you? It seems like he's quoting kind of what God said to him in verse 15. So it's not necessarily a go back to your mom and dad. Instead, it's a go back to the ways of faithfulness. Right. Exactly. Oh, okay. Context. Context saves lives. Saves lives. Um. Yeah, that makes sense. Also, so interesting. Take the road, take the desert road to Damascus. Obviously, when you hear Damascus, we think road to Damascus. That story. Paul is on his way to Damascus when he's when converted. When he's fallen off of his horse. Yes. Stripped blind. So this road clearly has some very deep spiritual meaning. It's a road where things change. It's a road of conversion. The road of conversion. Ooh. Right. 
Damascus. I wonder what that translates to. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's just a city. What is the meaning of the word Damascus? It means land, like red, red land. So it doesn't mean anything significant. Underwhelmed by its meaning. <laughs> Underwhelmed. We'll try other languages later. Maybe yeah. Hindi. Yeah, maybe. Okay, so this makes more sense. Anything else in this reading that sticks out to you? Um, yeah, because then I was like, why is he turning around to his mom and dad and like, all right, fine, I try to go with him, but he doesn't want me. But he goes back as a conversion, and now he's taking the oxen that he has and he's offering them as a sacrifice. Before it was like, you lost your job, so you slaughter your animals. But now if it's a sign of conversion, it makes total sense to then offer a burnt right. sacrifice here. Right. Right. Context, man. Yeah, it changes everything. Okay, wonderful. Anything else you want to say about that one? Uh, Elijah, what a boss. He is. Still waiting Elijah to come too. my Passover. What did you say? I was still, still waiting, waiting for him to, to show up for my Passover. <laughs> I set a place out for him every year. As you should. That's the Jewish tradition. Okay, let's go to our second reading. Second reading. Letter to so, the Galatians, chapter 5, verse 1, and then verses 13 to 18. All right. So, brothers and sisters, for freedom... Christ set us free. So stand firm and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. For you were called for freedom, brothers and sisters, but do not use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Rather, serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, namely, you shall love your, your neighbor as yourself. But if you go on bidding and biting and devouring one another, beware that you are not consumed by one another. I say then, live by the Spirit, and you will certainly not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh has desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you may not do what you want. But if you are guided by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Mm. Mm. Paul's oh. language in that last bit is so confusing it's clumpy he he draws like circles around himself with his language sometimes he seriously so, needs to revise yeah he's so he, and he writes beautifully but then he get, he twists himself into these i feel like it's like a ball of yarn that's just like all twisted and mangled which like i understand it's the holy spirit it's really difficult to explain sure, to people sure. especially because like two chapters earlier he refers to the galatians as oh you stupid galatians he does like, right i get it they're not that bright, but revise, please, Paul. Revise. If you were in my English class, you would have to rewrite this paragraph. <laughs> um, I don't know, but maybe he was under the gun, Val. Maybe he was like, was this and under when the he gun was in the Holy Spirit? So I guess it's perfect. But was he like in prison when this one was written? I don't remember if this is one of the prison letters. Um, I don't know if this is a prison letter. So maybe he didn't have time. You know what I mean? That's he was true. just trying to get it all out. He didn't have time. And to I mean, edit. it's not like he expected his letters to get published forever the holy spirit did and <laughs> the best-selling book of all time yeah it was thanks gutenberg <laughs> okay so slavery what's the slavery he's talking about what do you think i would say sin 
then I and think like a yeah, bodily addiction. Right. Clearly lust probably is what he's the the vice of lust is what he's talking about here. Stupid Galatians. <laughs> but also I think part of it is Paul's big thing is that salvation does not come from following the law so much as like the grace of Jesus because people were so obsessed with the law that they were really worshiping the law and mm-hmm. not worshiping God through following the law. So I mean he and Saint Steve and Saint Peter even butted heads over that. This. Exactly, exactly. So I think that's part of that slavery bit as well, to not become a slave to the law unless mm-hmm. it's allowing you to serve and love God better. Possibly. I'm into that. Yeah. Um, um, but then if you have this freedom, so if we have this gift of free will, you have to be careful with how you use it, is what he's talking about in this second bit, right? So do not use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Okay. You know what I mean? So God yeah. gives us this gift of free will, but now you have to be really careful with how you use it. Mm-hmm. One of the things that the priests at the parish I work at are both very into saying this year has been freedom is not I can do what I want freedom is the capacity to do what is best for you mm-hmm. and freedom right. is the capacity to make that choice yes of what will serve you best in the long run but it's not just like I can walk into a movie theater and yell fire right like I have the ability to love myself and those around me mm-hmm. but I don't have to it is still always going to be my choice yep Like, I always explain freedom to my students as, like, imagine you have a dog, and you want your dog, you have a dog, Valerie, Pete. I do. And you love Pete, and you want him to have, like, the best life, and you want him to be a free dog. And so you let him go outside and run around and, like, play and roll around in your yard, for sure, because you want him to have that freedom. But also because you love him, and you don't want him to die... Your house has an electric fence. A fence, right, exactly. So, like, you give Pete this freedom to go out, run around, do whatever you want in the yard. But God gives us this boundary of law so that we don't hurt ourselves and hurt others. But within that fence, as long as you're obeying these laws, you know, Ten Commandments, very basic, don't kill anyone, don't steal. It's not like God's asking for the world. Go nuts! Like have the time of your life within that fence, but God just doesn't Frolic want you to the grass, hurt. man. Do Frolic it. in the grass. Stay Do out it. of the flower bed, though. Right. Sometimes That's... there will be that temptation, even right. within the boundaries. Exactly. Exactly. The only thing I would add to that is we live along a busy street, and so if Pete were to run away from the fence, he would get hit by a car. Right. And the time that he did run away, he did get hit by a car. He was fine. All is well. No dogs were injured in the making of this. However, it did make him want to have his electric fence collar on after Mm. that. Because Mm. that boundary that he knew was in place to keep him from having pain. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because Pete is wise beyond his years. He is. He's wonderful. What a beautiful little nugget. He is. Sorry. The only other thing I would add is, like, this was at the time where, like, 
Gnosticism was starting to take place. Mm. And so there was a lot of ideas that like the flesh is evil and the spirit is good. And anything mm. that your body is doing is bad and anything your spirit is doing is good. And there's this like constant war between body and spirit. Um, and not like the culmination of the two that makes your personhood. Right. So I think it's easy to read some of these readings and just like skim through it and be like, do not gratify the flesh, only gratify the spirit. It's all about the spirit and not the flesh. But this isn't Paul being a Gnostic. This is St. Paul saying that just because you want something doesn't mean you should do it. Yes. Right. And because, like, we all have that feeling, like Pete, when he left the the fence and got hit by a car. Like, we all have that feeling. As soon as we sin, we're like, oh, that's why God demands that of me because this does not feel good like I feel like a piece of poo right now because this is not good for me and we all have that inherent feeling inside of us and and it's like seem to realize that after we've done the thing mm-hmm. <laughs> that we know it's we're not supposed to do not, for me usually it's like I justify it for a little longer than I should mm, I'm like right. no I, it was what I wanted to do it was okay because I wanted to do it but then as soon as I'm like, maybe I should go to confession, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, shoot. Yeah. That was not, like, that's why that boundary exists. Yes. And that's why I shouldn't do that, because that is beyond what makes, brings me actual joy and is a violation of the freedom that I had. All right, shall we move on to the gospel? Absolutely. All right. So the gospel this Absolutely. Valerie. <laughs> Bible jokes. Ew. Thanks. Ew. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Luke. This is why my middle schoolers hate me sometimes. <laughs> like you, you tell the worst dad jokes and you're never going to be a dad. It's not humanly possible. Women can tell dad jokes. Yes. But I will never be a dad, so I live it out through my sense of humor. You're part of the the common priesthood. It's okay. That's true. We all are. That'll be my next comeback. Yeah. And then that's a teachable moment. You teach them about the common and ministerial priesthood and the differences. We were all baptized priests, prophets, and kings. Amen. (laughs) All right. So our gospel is Luke chapter 9, verses 51 to 62. When the days for Jesus' being taken up were fulfilled, he resolutely determined to journey to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On the way, they entered a Samaritan village to prepare for his reception there, but they would not welcome him, because the destination of his journey was Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down from fire? Do you want us to call down fire from heaven to consume them jesus turned and rebuked them and they journeyed to another village as they were proceeding on their journey someone said to him i will follow you wherever you go jesus answered him foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests but the son of man has nowhere to rest his head and to another he said follow me but he replied lord Let me go first and bury my father. But he answered him, Let the dead bury their dead. But you 
Go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me say farewell to my family at home. To him, Jesus said, No one who sets a hand to the plow and looks to what was left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. Oh, my gosh. Sassy Jesus. That is sassy. I understand you're about to die and all for, like, a very unworthy cause. But, like, they don't get that. Give him a little bit of a break, Sassy G's. Mm. I'm sorry, There's I should not so, refer to Jesus no. as Sassy G's. Well, he's been through a lot, though. So he let really me, has. Let me set the scene. So this is Luke chapter 9. In Luke chapter 9, he he gives the first, like, commission of the 12. He gathers the 12. Um, he feeds the 5,000. You are Peter, and upon my, this rock I'll build my church. Is that not, recently? Not yet. Okay. But it's take, take journey, shake the dust off your feet, and like now we're gonna go out. Two by two. Yes. And then they feed the five thousand, and then, um, and then he's transfigured, and then he heals a boy with a demon, and then he does another exorcism. That's the last thing that happened. He's had a very busy chapter. (laughs) Very busy. Typical Tuesday. Nothing much for Jesus. Just expelling demons and curing the sick. Being transfigured. No no problem. So this this is a major... The very beginning of it stuck out to me the most. When the days for Jesus is being taken up were fulfilled... What do you th- interpret that as, Valerie? That honestly was my first question for you. No clue. Maybe if you start talking, something will jog my memory. The days for him being taken up. Like the reference to his exodus, this is probably a reference to all the events of his last days in Jerusalem. Like his suffering, death, resurrection, as an ascension. So in other words, now it's time to like start this passion process okay so like if you were to start the passion and the paschal mystery it's saying like you should start about here yeah even though it's so early that puts more perspective into it yeah and it's early in luke's gospel but obviously we know jesus being crucified and dying is a chain of events you know what i mean yes and like we the, the length of the gospels is some of them are really lengthy, but that's only about a three-year time period right. in Jesus' life. It's not right. anywhere close to the full 33 right. that right. he had. Um, and then the next line, he resolutely determined to journey to Jerusalem. So that indicates that now he's like, okay, we're starting the chain of events to the passion. You know what I mean? It's not like mm-hmm. we're going to casually journey to Jerusalem. If we get there, we get there. No, it's like, we're going. We're going because we know that this is like, Jesus knows that that's the end goal. Um, I really enjoy how James and John, though, the ones that he sends ahead of them. This is hilarious. When they come back, like, yeah, he just sent them out and they were casting out demons. And he just sent them out with only their tunic on their back and the sandals on their feet. And they shake the dust off the village if people are rude to them. 
And now, rather than just shake the dust off their feet here, they're like, let's send the fire from heaven to consume as, them. As if they have the authority or the power to do that. Because they mean, don't they were say... just told that they had the ability to cast out demons and, like, heal the sick. But, like, call to down heaven? heaven? But to yeah, I don't heaven? know. See, I, and the, they're getting a little wild with power, which is why he rebukes them. Jesus turned and rebuked them. So they're getting a little power crazy. It's so funny. He do, They don't even say, Lord, at this time, will you call down the fire from heaven? They're like, like you want to? We got this. We, we got, got this. <laughs> Let's call down heaven. You gave us okay. magic powers. That's, oh, James yeah. John. Funny. St. Paul should be calling you the stupid Galatians. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, something else that I want to mention before we move on from that little bit. Um, they are entering a Samaritan village. Important. Mm-hmm. Samaria, devout Jews would not pass through Samaria. So just to give you a little bit of context, if you're looking at the Holy Land, Galilee is on top, Samaria is in the middle, Judea is on the bottom. So Judea is the region that has, you know, the houses Jerusalem and Bethlehem. So Jesus is coming from Galilee. They have to go to Judea. Geographically, you look at a map and you'd say, absolutely, you would just pass right through Samaria. Devout Jews and Samaritans strongly disliked each other. So much so that a devout Jew, if they had to go from top to bottom, they would not pass through Samaria. They would take the extra long route and go around the river, adding probably, I don't know, days days to your trip. All because the Samaritans and the Jews had this beef between each other. But their beef only comes from the Babylonian exile, Mm -hmm. where they were like, "Mm, we're going to stay on the land that we have because we're allowed to. Sucks to suck, your temple got destroyed. (laughs) And the Jews were like, oh, wait, we have to start our lives all over. Let's blame the Samaritans. But And the Jews interpreted that as them having a different temple. History. And, and, yeah, like, them starting their own... It's a different culture, different history, different people. So there's Different genealogy, even though the Samaritans are just the Jewish diaspora. Mm Mm-hmm. Same Yahweh. And Jesus knows all of this, and yet enters Samaria on purpose. And so, like, you can't even blame them for being like, "Mm, hey, maybe you shouldn't pass through here. Right. Absolutely. They're trying to protect their own hides. Absolutely. And James and John were like, let's burn them down with the fires from heaven. Mm-hmm. Also, the fire from heaven is typically, you know, the Holy Spirit, a very peaceful and loving and knowledgeable and wise. But they don't know uh, that yet. Symbol of wisdom. I understand they don't. <laughs> but, like, the fires from heaven are not destructive unless it's destroying the sin in your life. Right. But they want it to be destructive, though. They would they be do. fine with Samaria being destroyed. Which just shows how little they know about, like, what heaven is about. Yep. I mean, we know that. We know they don't get it. They don't get it even after Jesus resurrects. They still don't oh, get goodness. it. It's like Jesus and the 12 comic relief characters. It really is. It really <laughs> is sometimes. How many Ron Weasleys can we really have in one story? <laughs> oh, Speaking of which, let's keep going. No, it gets worse. Yeah. So then 
someone nameless, we don't know, says to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And then Jesus says this really poetic, kind of out of place for him. I don't know. Foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to rest his head. I find that more poetic than I'm used to him being in Luke's gospel, at least. Yes, this definitely seems like something taken out of like Proverbs the or something. original Mark author. Yes, and it is. Oh, wait, you're right. I was supposed to say that. You were supposed to say that? Man, I'm this, so wise. Yeah. So this so, just seems like the Mark gospel very much so. Because I like to think, if you read the Mark gospel in the voice that I assume every person reads the fifth Harry Potter book, where you're like, oh, the Dursleys just don't understand me. It's very like poetic and like almost fake 15-year-old poetry emo. Uh, so then when you find those little snippets in Matthew or Luke, you're like, I bet this was from Mark. It is. Valerie, you're so right. This journey is like based Harry on Mark chapter 10. But Luke uses his Mark in source. You're so right. You're so right. It's that like kind of Tumblr-esque poetry that you mm, find. That we all know and love from our high school years. We know a little too well. Too much. Why do you think he says that to this dude or woman? It could, no, I don't know. Um, hmm. Is he saying, yeah, you can follow me, but don't expect to have like a hotel every night? I think part of that's there. I also think it's just kind of a like each day is inconsistent. Um, mm. And like, it's not necessarily like a, your day will have structure or order. Like in the last part, I just yelled at people for trying to call fire down to burn all of us. <laughs> like it's not really rainbows and butterflies here. Right. In the words of James Blunt. Is that James Blunt? Yeah. It's, it's not, not a- always oh, rainbows no, it's and five. butterflies. Sorry. It's compromise. It's compromise that moves, that moves us along. <laughs> Sorry. I told you they'd be singing. I, I would expect nothing less from you. So like, yeah, like, their day is not just like a, I'll follow you where you go. Cool. This is where we're going. Right. Right. Yeah. Yes, that's so true. Thank also, you. the, like, nowhere to rest his head sounds very, like, tossy and turny. Like, I'm being kept awake with all of the woes of the world. Which, mm. like, Jesus is. For so sure. it works. For sure. Yeah. And then it also kind of tells us about the, like, I feel like you could also get some kind of, like, Trinitarian read from... Mm this where like he's this go-between between our world and um that of heaven yeah and i like the beginning of the year i drew um emmanuel kant's box on the board in my room which is trying to explain emmanuel kant was a jewish philosopher um who was convinced that there is no way christ could have existed on earth because it trans if God transcends time and space, there's no way he could interact with people within time and space mm. because his very nature transcends that. And like one of the biggest difficulties for him to even discuss or talk about was this concept that like the Holy Spirit could go between those boundaries or that Christ could have walked this earth and still been divine. Mm. And so, like, there was this, like, big drawing on the board, and we were talking about how, like, the Holy Spirit is really what breaks down that one wall of constricting us of time oh. and space. Oh. Because 
if God can create time and space, he can also have the ability to transcend it and break it and bend it and go within it. Right. Because he's we not can't confined. God. Yeah, he's not confined to the limits. And he definitely can't be confined to that that he created. That he created, right, exactly. He can't be confined to the limits that he himself created, right. So I think part of, like, this understanding that Jesus existed on Earth and had this, like, limited time here, but then is still here and is always present in the Eucharist and then always present within ourselves and in loving relationships and, like, all of this, like, where is he? Mm -hmm. I think part of that could be read in something like this where it's like most people you see them that's them right you see this it's that jesus kind of not one of those things right which is why perhaps james and john don't get it and it's also perhaps like if you go wherever i follow i could already be with you Mm. so like don't pick up and move to just like walk behind me like these two twelve dwarves, dwarves behind me, um, singing hi ho all the way, when like you could love people where you are. Yeah. Yep. Kind Which is like why he only calls twelve. Exactly. Or like that Mother Teresa quote where she was like, where people whenever people asked her like how they could make a difference, and she would say, "Go home and love your families." Right. And like, yeah, love starts very simply, and yep. bringing Christ to people starts very immediately. Yeah, perfect. Oh, right. you're so Sorry, good. that got a little sidetracked. No, it was perfect. It was perfect. James and John can call down the hellfire if they want to. From <laughs> the heavens. You. The hellfire from the heavens. <laughs> the heaven They'll fires. fail miserably because they don't have that power, but it's fine. It's fine. Okay, last bit. And to another he said, follow me. But he replied, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. This is interesting. So the first guy asked Jesus if he could follow him. And Jesus said, you probably don't want to. Now Jesus is calling someone and saying, come follow me. Completely different than the first guy. That's a straight up call to be an apostle. This is what he says to the fisherman, to Matthew. And the guy says, Lord, let me first uh, go and bury my father. And Jesus says, let the dead bury their dead. Does he, is he being mean, Valerie? Is he being harsh? Because we never find out what happens to that guy afterwards. And if we, I mean, odds are he never came back because we don't know his name. But this is one of those things where, like, people often stop after the word dead. Where he says, let the dead bury their dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. (gasps) Bury Mother Teresa. So then he's saying, like, let me go back. And he's like, yeah, go back and bury the dead. Sure, let the dead bury the dead. Go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Mm. And he's saying, but you go. So there's that contrast. Like, I think he's giving him permission to go bury his father as long as he's going proclaiming the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah, you're like, right. It doesn't even People sound do like stop. he's... After that, let the dead bury You stop after that, but the sentence continues with, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Christ is giving him permission, or at least that's how I'm reading it. Do. There's like, he's like, hey, follow me. And that almost goes back with what the the guy right before that says, where he's like, I'll follow wherever you go. And he's like, okay, but there's really nowhere that I'm going that you can follow. Now Mm -hmm. he's saying, follow me. He's like, yeah, let me go bury my father. And he's like, 
then go do that, bringing the gospel there. Mm. Oh, yes. It doesn't sound like a contradiction at all. Ooh. Oh, that's perfect. That makes total sense to me now. Oh, wonderful. Okay, and then what about this guy, the last one? I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to my family at home. No one who sets a hand to the plow and looks to what is left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. So in other words, if you're going to plow your field, you're not going to be a very good farmer if you're constantly looking behind you. You have to be looking ahead because you plow forward. So is he being mean by not letting this guy go home to his family? I think this could still even tie in, though, where he's like, you want to follow me and just leave them behind? Mm. Right, so maybe this guy is not in a place. This is not his time. It's not a time in his life for him to be an apostle because he has a responsibility to his family. Absolutely. And there's also the, like, why are you leaving them? Like, if you come with me, you're going to keep looking back and be like, how is my family? Who's helping them? Who's preparing them? Who's teaching them? They need you. Like, they need you, and you can love them there better than you can love them standing next to me. Oh, yes. Staying with me, not next to me. Right. That makes perfect sense. So I don't think this is necessarily, like, a Jesus is saying, like, no, stop trying to be one of us. I think it's more, you can be one of us without standing five feet behind me. Right. Or three feet next to me. Right. Like, we don't have to eat at the same dinner table every night for you to hear my words or for you to apply what I'm doing. Oh, you can so do right. this with the people that you're responsible for, the people you take care of, the people that are your family. And you can bring this mission and this gospel and the love there amen that's perfect anything else you want to mention about this one i think you nailed it i didn't even have to Um, do anything do you want to take over this podcast no absolutely not i just want to be a guest speaker every week that's fine that's fine but honestly, I don't think this is a way that I've read these stories before. Me neither. It apart. And, like, talking about it in conversation is always a better way yeah. to, like, understand it. Because sometimes you just need one another set of ears and, two, the time to, like, actually sit down and think about it. Yeah. And, like, a conversation forces that time. And, like, I don't know, looking at it without being like, oh, I know this. Okay, cool. Moving on. Yep. I so agree. Because, I mean, I've read this. I don't know, probably a hundred times before Catholic school, mm-hmm. but this is different. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for all your insight. My gosh. I'm going to ask you one last thing. Yes, ma'am. Do you have a challenge for us looking at the, the scriptures that we read? What do we need to take from this and challenge ourselves to do this week? Ooh. So I'm like going to try to kind of, Pull them all together. Yeah, please. So the first one is, the first reading, I think we could summarize as Elijah is taking what God has said to him and telling Elisha the same thing, which is turn back, be faithful, do what you know you should do. The second reading is St. Paul saying to the Galatians, like, it's not about satisfying what you want right now. It's about using the freedom you have to choose well. 
on our third reading, the gospel is saying, um, like, I'm just going to focus on that bottom part, which is like being that gospel and that light to the people closest to you. Mm. And I think you can apply all three of those where like, yes, it's easiest to be like, mom, you're driving me crazy and yell at the people that you're comfortable with. But like not just like jumping to that, using your freedom to turn back to what you know you should be doing and being that loving gospel to those especially closest to you. Because I think if your family or your friends are like, oh, you're my friend who goes to church, you're my Catholic friend, or you're my friend who's trying to figure out more about God, and then you're a jerk to everybody, right. you're their biggest reason to not understand the gospel. Right. And why would so they look challenge. elsewhere? What? Why would they ever look elsewhere if you've Only delivered to the gospel you to them? In every that argument way. they ever have with you. <laughs> They'll be like, no, well, this verse says the, that, so ha. But if you're the only, let's say you're the only source of gospel that they're going to get, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Why would they ever assume that it's anything else? Yeah. Um, so I guess the challenge would be to show tangible ways that you love those around you mm. especially those you live with or see daily yeah so like coworkers, friends person who rides the bus next to you right but like show them right. a tangible sign of your love right and that can be words but like physical words tangible sign don't just be like man i think they look pretty today tell them yeah you love it and mean Everyone it loves that well thank you valerie you're welcome friend thank you for tuning into this week's episode we hope you liked it please be sure to give us a rating and subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode you can follow us on instagram and twitter at a shower of roses and like us on facebook facebook.com slash a shower of roses podcast we will see you back here next wednesday god bless you and have a great week